In this episode of the Lock on NBA Big Board podcast, I have a bunch of questions I want to ask Richard Stamen about the 2024 NBA draft. So stay tuned to hear his thoughts on who will be the biggest breakout star, who will be the projected top 10 freshman, or who will be the freshman that was a projected top 10 pick that probably has to come back to school. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host for today, Mr. Mavs Draft. If you're on Draft Twitter, you know about Mavs Magic Draft, Richard Stamen, who's wearing an Orlando Magic t-shirt if you're watching on YouTube. Man, what's going on, Richard? Hey, how's it going? If you can guess the player... Without, I don't know if you can see the number. No, I don't. I'll, I don't. I have no prize, but Franz Franz Wagner. No, I need to get one of his. I, I so I went to the gym in this, and some kid goes, "Yo, is that a Cole Anthony shirt?" And, <laughs> and to this day, I think that now it's uh like it only happened a few hours ago. That is one of my favorite moments that I think I've ever had wearing this. Are you you were playing up at Lifetime? Yeah, I need to get back. I need to get back at it, man. I know Next I keep week. saying that. Um, I've been riding my bike. I did 20 miles today. I did 10 yesterday and I did three on Monday. I just got the bike. My, my goal is 50 miles a week or 200 a month. And so I, it's, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. Only thing is like today, my phone died at like mile 19. So I couldn't chart the 20 miles, but in 2020, I rode a bike everywhere, but I didn't drive. Because I got back from China in February. I didn't drive at all in 2020, like the whole year. And so I rode a bike everywhere. And the most I got up to was like 50 miles. I did a 50-mile trip. And so, uh, but yeah, it helped me. It helped me get in shape. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the goal for the rest of the year is to get in tip-top shape because I just had a birthday a couple uh, I think it was last week. I don't know. My days are all mixed up. So anyway, 2024 draft. I mean, we are still a ways away, but here on NBA Big Board, it's no off season. We we just get right into 2024. And so I had a bunch of questions I wanted to ask you, and I'm gonna put you on the hot seat here. And we uh, yeah, we're just gonna see the first player that comes to mind and, and just your first reaction and your first thought. All right, the first question is. Out of all the players in college basketball, and this is this is more so geared towards returning guys, who is your breakout star? Who's going to be the guy that is, you know, maybe we know about him, maybe we don't, but who's going to be that guy that next June will say he was the biggest breakout star in college basketball? So I want to say, that, as the answer, Donovan Klingon, but I think his – breakout freshman year was so strong he's disqualified like he was too good so yeah. for me it's somebody he's who projected as a top 10 pick on a lot of mock drafts won a national championship i think his breakout is yeah. totally expected yeah exactly so i think you'll like this a lot i think of of somebody who you showed me the light of being high on this person and that's riley kugel at florida i just i love everything he does as a as a shooting guard wing 
he just plays that style of basketball I love where he can create at any level. Uh, I just think he's electric as a as an offensive player. Yeah. He is a guy. There's a question I want to ask you later on that he is someone that kind of comes to mind. But, yeah, I mean, I like him a lot. I like the athleticism. I, I love guys that can create space and and um shoot off the dribble. I mean, he shoots off the dribble. I think he has the potential to be a three-level scorer. I want to see him finish a little bit better at the rim because he's like a phenomenal athlete. And he was an okay finisher at the rim. But, you know, he didn't have the keys until late in the season. So I do think that he is going to be a, a big breakout star. Now, was there like a runner-up? Was there anybody else that 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 came to mind? So there's somebody who I haven't seen a, an ounce of draft buzz on. And for me, this is kind of a deeper cut, but I think he's going to have a very good year with uh, Bryce Sensabaugh gone, uh, Justice Suing gone, just the whole roster is gone, and that's Roddy Gale at Ohio State. He's 6'4", 6'5", shot 43% from three on low volume, 81% from the line on also low volume. But I'm really excited to see what he can do with a full season. He was pretty efficient within his very minimal role. I think he's somebody that could be that just out of nowhere. It's him. Yeah, I wonder, and I guess it's a question that um, I guess we could say for another show. But, but yeah, I wonder, like, who's the the guy? And it'd be like the transfer. Like, we could call it, like, who's the Brandon Pajemski? I mean, that could be his own award, a guy that just literally came out of nowhere. I think he – I used to remember the stats. I had it. But I want to say he played like 64 minutes his freshman year. Then all of a sudden he turns into a first-round pick. All right, here's a, a tough question for you. You're, you're on a spot here. Who is a player that you are higher on than the consensus? I I think it's got to be Stefan Castle. Uh, is it Stefan or Stefan? I'm, I'm assuming Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's Stefan Castle for me, though. Like, I just I see a guy, Kevin O'Connor, put out his board today, and I was really happy to see somebody else that high on him. He he has him one spot higher than me. I think he had him at five. Uh, I have him at six. For me, it was I, – I just I love what he does as a primary ball handler. Uh, I think with more talent, and you look at Donovan Klingon, one of the best role men in the league already in the Big East, I think he's somebody that's going to make Castle even better. The defense is there. Jump shot's a work in progress. He shoots on the way down. But overall, the way he impacts the game, you can tinker with the shot. Guys get better as shooters. We see this all the time. It comes with work ethic. It's not going to happen for everyone. Uh, I am interested to see his free throw percentage. That's really what's going to be the barometer for me. But I think for me, it's it's just I love what Castle does. I think he has a really good chance to be the best guard in this class. Yeah, I think so, too. I think the the race to be the best guard is wide open. I mean, you can really say the whole top half of this draft is wide open without there being – a clear-cut number one pick. And I know we talked about it in the last episode, but he reminds me of Markel Fultz. Now, if he's as good as Washington Markel Fultz, then that would be good enough to be the number one pick. I remember watching Markel in high school, and I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was, like, the number one pick good. I mean, that class, if I remember, was like – was he – I think it was like Josh. Was he no? Was he Josh? Yeah, he's in Josh Jackson's Lonzo. Josh Jackson. So yeah, I remember watching all of those guys back when they were in high school. Now Josh was the best high school player that I've ever that I've ever seen. But Markel was good. I remember like the team I was working for, we played against him. He didn't 
like just dominate us. But then a year later, he was the number one pick. So if Castle ends up being three fourths as good as, as Markel Fultz, that may be good enough to be the number one pick in this year. And he'll be doing it on a winning team, which is something that Markel Fultz he, he did it on a bad team, a, a really bad team that I felt like who who was it? Was it Marquise Chris and, and Dejounte Murray left the year before? And if they yes. would have stayed, I don't think they were projected yeah. to go. And Washington yeah. been pretty good. So in Castle's case, he's coming back with some talent. All right, here's the one, the question that that is going to put you on the hot seat. Who is the player that returned to school and is going to really improve their draft stock? You know what? That wasn't even my hot seat question. But anyway, who is the player that returned to school that is going to improve their draft stock? I mean, Riley Kugel would be a good example of someone that – but he can also be someone that maybe coming back to school doesn't work out for him. But anyway, who, who's the guy that you feel – yeah, I think for me, it, the answer is probably Google, but I'll change it up a bit and talk about somebody else. This guy's about to be a senior, and I, I loved his pro day with Excel. He went through from the draft, and that's Matthew Morell. I think he's somebody, new coach, a lot of talent around him. This is a guy who historically has been mostly inefficient, but the tools really, really pop for him. And I think as a senior, he's getting he's older, right? So he's going to have an advantage on that end and with competition. He's got a better coach, more talent around him. I think we're going to see Matthew Morell explode. And, he, and speaking of explode, if you haven't ever seen this guy dunk, it is he, – he. I knew he was athletic. But seeing him in person, I, I think you were at the pro day then. Yeah, I was sitting there. I, yeah. yeah, and dude, he just – he jumps out of the building. He was the most athletic person, I think, on that court, even with Trace Jackson Davis, who I think was a very phenomenal athlete. Yeah, you know what's funny about that? I think that – the way he was jumping out the gym at that pro day made Nikola Drissic have to go back into <laughs> back to Europe because they were in the same pro day, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. So you saw one guy that is looks like he's jumping off a trampoline and exploding off the ground, and then another guy has doing rim grazer dunks, and in that 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 um pro day setting it's hard to look good if you're like a guy that your your whole game is just kind of based off of skill and and you know five on five play and so i felt like for in juristic's case doing a pro day at the same time as matt morrell was was a huge mistake all right when we return i want to ask richard who is the player that should have stayed in the NBA draft that going back to school may hurt them. And then I want to ask him about Zach Eady. Can Zach Eady, can Zach Eady duplicate what he did last year? Stay tuned. I want to talk to you about Ibotta. Why? Because if you are picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue, you know, you're already doing it. So why not get cash back with Ibotta? It is officially summer and it is hot. Like I just saw that it's like the hottest month in the history of the world in like the last 12,000 years, something like that. I live in Dallas. It has been like 100 degrees for, I wanna say like 24 out of the last 25 days. So it is officially summer and it's hot. And I know you're probably buying things, whether it's at the grocery store or just buying summer clothes. And you can get cash back on every purchase. When you use Ibotta, watch your cash grow back with each purchase. And if you're looking to take a summer vacation, the summer vacation, maybe you're, you live down south and you're trying to escape the heat, 
but you dread buying all the necessities before you leave, it's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. So enter Ibotta, because Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. At this moment, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta, but you have to use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And in the first segment, I gave Richard a few questions. I haven't turned up the heat yet, but I will be turning it up soon. All right. Let's talk about the player that you feel like should have capitalized on the draft buzz that they had in 2023. They opted to return to school, and it could be risky. So I guess I would call this the Turquavion Smith. I feel like Turk would have been at least a late first-round pick, early second-round pick last year, comes back to school, and ends up costing him money. Who was the guy that you think should have capitalized on the buzz that he had coming into 2023 drafts? Yeah, I don't think this person's going to regress. I just think they could have probably gone um, the same spot they're going to go this year. Maybe a little bit higher into this year because of weaker class, but generally the same range. And if you can be making the NBA money earlier, it's probably going to be better for most people. So uh, I have a couple players that come to mind. I don't hate everything about it, but Deron Holmes, I think, should have probably uh, probably should have stayed in. And the That's other one for me, mind for me. Yeah, and the other one, Reese Beekman. I really thought – and actually, I'll throw in one more. Trey Alexander. All three of them, I would say just they all were top 40 players by the combine, right? Not everyone could go top 40, but maybe top 45. I think Beekman probably would have gone the lowest. Trey Alexander measured so well. I think there was a lot of buzz around him. Deron Holmes, just in general, super productive. Didn't shoot super well, but it didn't – I don't think it hurt his stock. So, for me, I think – those are the three guys that, that come to mind with that. That I, I don't know if they're all going to ne- necessarily go negative the way Terquavion Smith did, but I do think that there was an element of they could have just stayed in the draft. Yeah, I know with Holmes, I think he was dealing with some type of illness prior to the combine, and he, he didn't play well at the combine. He really did not stand out, and I thought it was just kind of weird that he just did not look like himself and then found out that he had some type of illness, and he was in this – and I, I don't know if it was like the flu or maybe it was COVID. I don't know. I don't want to get it wrong, but I know there was something. And he just did not look like the same high-energy guy that just kind of impacts games with his effort. And once I found out that there was a reason, it kind of made sense because he just did not look like himself. But I thought overall his body of work throughout the year was good enough to – I mean, at least be a top 40 pick. I mean, I think he led the Atlantic 10 in scoring and was fourth in rebounds and first in blocks or something like that. And so his teammate got drafted. And so I thought he would have thought he would have got drafted also. And then Reese Beekman. Who do you think he's the first round pick this year? No. I, I think it's almost impossible for Virginia guards like him that are upperclassmen that don't get the scoring volume to go first round. I, I think Ty Jerome is the last one, if I'm not mistaken. Probably probably going to stay that way. Yeah, so it's almost like he stays in the same spot. 
even if he improves. I can't see a situation where unless he makes a drastic improvement or maybe has a a Davion Mitchell type year where it really helps him. And then who who's the third guy that you mentioned? Uh Trey Alexander. See with Trey, see we were at the combine and I remember seeing like the entire Creighton staff there. And it was almost like they were basically recruiting, re-recruiting because Carl Brenner was there. Trey was there. They, they lost Kaluma. Kaluma transferred. And their season was really going to be their, – their upcoming season is really dependent on those guys coming back. So I wonder with um, Nimhart leaving and Kaluma leaving, did Trey Alexander think like, well, I'm going to have a bigger role, a much larger role in the offense by default, and I can put up maybe 18, 19 points per game. I imagine he's in the running for preseason Big East Player of the Year, which you know it could be Klingon, it could even be Cockburner. And so, on, in his case, I think it's guaranteed that he's going to have an increased role, which the risk to me wasn't wasn't that great because I I thought he was still going to be a mid second round pick also. So I think for him coming back coming back may have helped. All right, here's a question for you. Can Zach Eady top his 22-23 performance? Like, he had one of the – like, historically, it was one of the better years in, like, college basketball history. Like, he swept every national award. He was in the – I want to say, like, the top 20 in scoring and rebounding. And I think he was 21st in field goal percentage. And he just had a phenomenal year. But my question is, what can he do – to help his draft stock. Yeah, I I wonder that same question. I, I know the free throw percentage generally has been there, seventy percent for his career, seventy three percent on seven attempts per game. That was two hundred and forty one. Uh, for let's just do some fun math here. On his last four hundred fifteen, and it adds up to the to the career average seventy percent. He could add a jump shot. That's that's probably it. I, I don't think the numbers matter at all because it's going to be 20 and 11 in some variation, give or take. The passing may go up a little bit more because he's going to see so much of double teams and things like that. But I, I really think the only tangible skill he can add to his game right now is really showcasing a mid-range jumper, even three-point shot, because I don't think he's taken a single three his entire time in college. The problem with that is it's like on the college level – you're bailing the defense out if you're Zach Eady and you're shooting jumpers. Like, you're only shooting jumpers to improve your draft stock and, and yep. show scouts that you can do that. But if I'm a college coach and I'm facing Purdue, that's what I want. Hey, You're Zach, banking it, yeah. Because he's go ahead. dominant in the post. <laughs> you can't stop him. Go ahead. Show these NBA scouts that, that you can <laughs> shoot from – you know, the short corner or, or or let them run some type of pick and pop for you. So I think you're really building the defense out if you're shooting jumpers, if you're Zach Eady. It's almost like Trace Jackson Davis. We talked about this for a long time. Trace Jackson Davis had a hidden element. You actually nailed that, by the way, that you said at his pro day, I bet you anything. Like, and he didn't shoot the lights out by any means, but he shot a lot of, he made a lot of consecutive threes. It was something to say, hey, it's there, by the way. It's not, it's the exact same thing. If Trace Jackson Davis was taking threes, averaging all, very similar numbers, actually, if not better than Zach Eady. You're begging him to shoot. A guy who do, hasn't shot threes, doesn't want to go to the paint, sure, fine. Every coach is going to want that. So you're in a really tough position. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I felt the same 
with Drew Timmy in a sense. Yeah, scouts would like to see you shoot threes, but if I mark few, hey man, they can't stop you down on this block. Get down here and 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 score at will. All right, when we return, I have a couple more questions for you. Stay tuned to find out who Richard thinks will be the first senior selected, even though he may have kind of hinted at it, but who will be the first senior selected in the 2024 NBA draft? Stay tuned. All right, last segment, wrapping this up. So who will be the first senior? Who will be the guy that, I don't know, is it Corey Kispert? Um, Ocha Agbaji? Was there a senior in this year's draft? They win the first round? I can't. Wow. Uh, putting me on the spot because I don't remember. I know Chris Murray was a junior. Um, I don't man, know. Man, are we just – oh, did – well, Strother went second round, right? And Colby yeah, Jones, no, he's he a second round. I don't think Strother was a senior. Man. OMP was a junior. Oh, man. It's like the, uh, man, I, I think so. It's I've tuned that draft out of my head already where Chase I Jackson can't separate – <laughs> Is he really the first senior? Uh, he he might he he might have been. Uh, no, I mean Jalen. Well, Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson was before been him. senior, but I don't know if he was a senior on paper. Yeah, same thing with like Isaiah Wong. Yeah, they, they were all like at a really similar range. You know what's was what's tricky about that? Like even now when I'm doing my 2024 draft projections, if it's not a freshman, I do not know what their classification is because they can. They can use it. And I'm like, ESPN hasn't updated it yet, so guys are still under last year's class. But, you know, if a guy decides, hey, I'm a junior, I want to be a junior again on paper, and maybe it just looks good. It Maybe it just looks better <laughs> on, on the draft profile to say you're a junior as opposed to being a senior. And then, of course, we got these guys that are like on year six, and the, the, the guy from Memphis is like going to be 20. Yeah, shout out DeAndre Williams. Yep. <laughs> 28. So who would be the first senior, in, in your opinion, to be selected? Uh, my top ranked senior is not the same answer, uh, but I'll go Matthew Morrell. We hinted at it. If he's super efficient around a really good team, some playoff team's going to go, you know what? The shooting athleticism we saw with Oche Baji when went lottery, 14th pick, I believe, to Cleveland and Utah. And I think that's something that he's a strong candidate. The the difference is I think there's just not as much of a background as if with efficiency, he'll have to prove like at an extreme level. Or Kobe Brown, hey Kobe Brown, that's who it was. Okay, Kobe Brown. Yeah. Oh yeah, he went first round, which thirtieth. Yeah, I, I don't know how we blamed on that. Somebody in their car right now is listening, and going Kobe Brown. You <laughs> right <laughs> yelling at us for about thirty seconds. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Hopefully, they heard it before um, they clocked in to work and had to turn the podcast off, or at least listen to it once they got to their office. All right. Here is the tough question. It happens every year. Every year when we look at our way too early mock drafts, there's like some guy that we think is going to be a top 10 pick and he ends up either being a second round pick, having to go back to school. I mean, just off the top of my head, the, the name that stands out the most is remember like, was it two years ago? Everybody thought Yannick Souza was going to be that guy. I mean, his he has completely just disappeared. Like it would if he would have, and I don't even know if he was eligible. If he would have came out two years ago, he would have been a top five pick. Yeah, I know the Wizards. Yeah, he wasn't eligible. I know he was super young, but sorry, yeah, go on. 
Uh, I think the, I know the Wizards drafted him, but I haven't. I mean, he just has not played well since then. Uh, maybe last year it was Kalel Ware. Um, Jaden Hardy was the guy that we thought was going to be a top 10 pick a couple years ago. Um, Kendall Brown was the one that I had as high as number seven. So who's the guy this year that you think has the potential to, well, right now he's projected high, but you think could be in, in reality, a two year college player. Dylan Mitchell is a name from last year. That's something yes. that's going to be a top 10 pick. And he has, absolutely has zero draft buzz right now. <laughs> yeah, I so I pulled up ESPN's mock to see how far off I was with placement. I have an unbelievably easy answer. I think it's Cody Williams. He has – there's a few things. It's good that his brother has hyped him up, but it also has been almost a negative to him where they've built up these expectations where Jalen's saying like, hey, he's better than I was at this point. It's like, okay, sure, but like your whole thing was that you were a late bloomer. Cody's may not be that. And that puts a lot of pressure on him. And I think when you look at him in the in the FIBA, was it the U19s this year? I think, I think it was the U19s, right? They all looked bad. I mean, everyone struggled, but Cody Williams, I think, looked the most lost. And I, I think it, it was a tough situation for him. I don't think that was necessarily the best environment for him to thrive. He's athletic, but didn't dunk. It was a lot of that stuff where it was just finishing needed to improve. And it just, it was a glaring flaw. The ball handling, things like that. The the combo of size and skill and and athleticism on paper is very intriguing. He's just very far from contributing. And right now he's listed as number six on ESPN's mock. I'd be shocked if he goes top 10. So I'm, so I, I have my opinion and other than yours, I've heard two different opinions. So I've heard, including mine, four different opinions on Cody Williams. <laughs> two like him and two are just like, and you and another guy basically said the same thing almost verbatim. It's almost <laughs> like he's good. He's not that good, but the hype around his brother has boosted him up. And I remember when Jaden was his draft year, and I remember like getting messages from people in, in the Phoenix area saying, oh, no, Cody is better than Jalen. Cody is better than Jalen. Just wait and see. And so now it's like there are some people that believe that hype. Yeah, I think Jalen kind of came out of nowhere, so it helped him. Why Cody is, I mean, the expectations are high. I like him. I think he's going to be fine. Um, another person I actually talked to today really liked him. He thought that he was going to be maybe a top five pick. And then there's you and another scout that I spoke with, and y'all just kind of like, huh? I don't know. If his name, if there was no relation to Jalen Williams, he might not be getting the same type of love and, and, and hype and draft buzz. I got one more for you. Wait, before you go to this, can I give you a, a hot take? Hey, we got we got time. <laughs> I I think Cody Williams is not the best prospect on Colorado. It's kind of the answer to who my number one senior is, and that's Tristan De Silva. I think six eight shooter with secondary ball skills when needed. I think he's the best prospect on the team. And that team got really good. Like, I, I think they're going to see a lot of more open shots than they, they had before with Eddie Lampton, too. So I, I just want to throw that out there. So best prospect this year or best long-term prospects? You know, that can be two different things. Yeah, both. I think both. Hot take. Get the fan out. Get the fan out. All right. All right. 
Who will be the best transfer? Oh, man. Um, wow. This, this is a tough one. I will go with... All right, here, I'll make it easy on you. I'll That's name some transfers, and you tell me if they will be... You tell me if you think that transferring is going to help improve their draft stock. Khalil Ware. Yeah, hit me. Khalil uh, Yeah, it helps. Grant Nelson. If he's – yeah, I, I don't think – I don't think he can do – there's not much for room for improvement for him unless he really repeats everything he did, which is just super unlikely, like stat for stat. I don't see it. I think it's neutral. I think if he shows that he can shoot, which I think is a, is a, it's a ways away. Yeah. But I just want to see how he plays against real good competition and no knock on, you know, the teams that he faced. Um, but I know, like, last year he had two major games, like Power 5 games. One was against Kansas, another was against Arkansas. I think the Arkansas game, he had decent numbers in a blowout, but there was no buzz or hype around him after those games. It wasn't until KJ put out the video that people started paying him some attention. And then at the combine, he just did not look like he – I don't want to say he didn't look like he belonged, but he just – didn't really stand out when he wasn't head and shoulders the most most athletic guy on the court. And I thought he had had a hard time just kind of picking his spots. All right, uh, Arterio Morris, former five-star McDonald's All-American that transferred to Kansas. I, I'm very interested to see what him and El Marco Jackson look like, but I, I think he probably helped himself. I think he's going to get more keys to the offense than he got at Texas. All right, J.J. Starling. Neutral. I personally, I think unless he can really prove he, sh- he can shoot, which I'm a little bit hesitant on, I don't know what he can do to really boost up his draft stock. All right, uh, Jaden Nunn going from VCU to Baylor. Uh, I feel like he's going to be a more specialty role guy, which I, I think – I think he probably helped it because if he's efficient in that role, he's good. All right. I mean, he shot the ball well from, from yeah. a little, a little Intel here, a little Intel. So right now um, this week, Baylor is having a lot of their former players come back. So it's like, I don't know the official name of it pro week, but you have a bunch of, you know, their current NBA players and former NBA players or just guys that play overseas that are Baylor alums. They're back in town this week and they're playing against the roster and a little birdie told me that Jaden Nunn was giving Davion Mitchell fits. Wow. And mind you, Davion Mitchell gave Stephen Curry fits in the playoffs. So, dang. Okay, that's high praise. I like it. Yep, yep. So I heard that he's played really well and a few other guys. But all right, all right one more. Amari Abram. I really like Amari Abram. I don't remember where he transferred to, though. I think I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I think it was Georgia Tech. I like it because he'll have keys to the offense a little bit more than what he had at Ole Miss. Um, I, I, I like his game a lot. So okay. One, one more. One more came to mind. <laughs> Andrew Rode. 
I will be 100% honest. I've heard good things about him. I don't think I saw a single full game of Andrew Road. So I'll decline to comment. I know at St. Was it St. Thomas? School he I've was really heard. good. Like they maybe did they just become D one like a couple years? Uh, they're ago? pretty new, I think. I all I know is they're in the summer summit league. Summer league. Uh, yeah. They're in the summit league. I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I don't know, but he's. I, I the only things I've seen, KJ has posted about him a lot. If and obviously I had the stats too. If he can be efficient and he's hitting shots, like I mean, like they're the same thing, and he's playing within his role, right? Eh, I think there's some something to him. I don't know how high that upside is, but it's six six. Could go a lot of different ways. He's an interesting player because, so I think, in in the scouting world, when you see a a white player that is hype, you kind of put him in the oh man, he must be a lights out shooter, and that's in my opinion Rose's biggest weakness is that he's not a really good shooter from three. He's a scorer. He's more so of a scorer than a shooter. He's, I mean, he can score on three levels, but he does a lot of his work in like the mid range and and like around the rim. And it's not like he's finishing right at the rim. He just has this really unique ability to just use his body to his to his uh, advantage. And he gets like in that spot that's like in between a layup and in between like a a, a pull up jumper, and he just has. Very, very good touch around the basket. He's a crafty scorer. He could play on or off the ball. Now he only shot like 32% from three. Some of it could be from shot selection. Like he was not afraid to shoot from NBA range. But overall, I mean, it, it, it's funny because he like at the rim this year, he shot like 61% at the rim. But it's not like all layups like directly at the rim. It's just like this this sweet spot that he has that he is, I mean, he just doesn't miss once he gets to that sweet spot. So uh, I, I definitely want to see how him and, and Beekman play together. But when you get a chance, watch, watch this film, and then we can definitely talk about him in another episode. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the stats, 6-16, six I know it doesn't pop, but 15 points against Creighton, 6-9 on 16 points against Utah. Like that, Those are – that's what you want to see, right? When you see the mid-major guys and you haven't watched them yet – you want to at first glance go, all right, well, how do they do against the toughest competition they face? And it sounds like, look, 6-16 six of 16 when you're on St. Thomas, I, I highly doubt there's a second NBA guy on that team. If you can get that, it's passable. It's contextual with sometimes with efficiency. Yeah, he's fun to watch. And it's not even that bad. Yeah. He's fun to watch. He's got some flash and flair and a little hop in the step with the ball handling that that he's, he's one of my – top transfers that that I'm looking forward to seeing how they play on on an elevated level. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Big shout out to Richard for coming on the show on a late, late night episode that we're recording that's pretty late. I kind of put him on the hot seat, wanted to hear his thoughts on a few questions that I had typed out. But once again, thank you, the listener, for making the Locked On NBA Big World Podcast your first listen of the day. Once again, it's Raphael, Richard, and we are 